Good morning. Welcome to church, or welcome, church. You are the church. It's good to see you this morning. I cannot really see you, but hypothetically, it's good to see you guys this morning. Uh, if you would stand with us, I'm going to pray. We're going to worship God this morning. He's worthy to be praised. I just want to take this opportunity as we were singing through these songs in rehearsal, I was thinking a lot of these songs are very familiar songs that we sing all the time. And sometimes I like to just take a moment to be intentional, to really meditate and think about the words that we're singing. There's a comfort and an, and an ease in singing something that we know, but sometimes we can sing it because we know it and it's just like automatic and we're not really processing the words that we're saying. So I just want to take a moment to encourage you to whether it helps you as you're reading along visually or just to think in your mind as you're saying these words, really thinking about what they mean and asking the Lord to help you to just hear from him as he's speaking to you, as you're speaking to him, to just worship him from the heart, right? And worship is not something that happens in our lungs or in our mouth, but it happens on the inside in our spirit and in our heart. So I just want to encourage you that this morning, um, that was something that I was thinking about, especially with this first song, The Lion and the Lamb. We sing the song all the time and just was thinking about the significance of those words, that it says our God is the lion. He is fierce. He's, he's our defender. He's victorious, but he's also the lamb. He's gentle and lowly, and he was a sacrifice on our behalf. And those two things kind of sit in tension, that God is both a lion and also a lamb. Our God is just and righteous, but he's also merciful and gracious. Amen? So like, let's just think about those things as we sing these words that we know and just really allow those words to speak to us as we are singing them and reading them because I think that just brings it to the next level when we're worshiping God. So I'm just going to pray together. Lord, just thank you for this opportunity to gather with your people. It is an honor and a joy to be in this place with my brothers and my sisters. And God, we just invite your presence to come as we sing, as we meditate on your word, God, as we pray, as we cry out to you, as we hear your word read, expounded upon, God, I just ask most of all that we would be aware of your presence this morning, that we would be in communion with you. We're not just sitting or standing in a room that we sit and stand in all the time, with people that we know or don't know, God, but we are here in your presence, that you're here with us, hearing our words, knowing our hearts, and you know what we need, each and every person here, God. And I won't even ask because I know that you already are everything that we need, and you bring that God, so I just thank you this morning that every person in this room is going to receive from you this morning exactly what they need because you are everything. God, and I just ask that you would help us 
to see that, to believe it. We look to you this morning and we look to you in faith like a child, believing that you are going to do something in our midst. Whether it's small or big, it doesn't matter. But your will be done here in this place, in our hearts this morning. And be glorified. Amen. Let's do it.
chains and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb every knee will bow before him our god is the lion the lion of judah he's roaring with power and fighting our battles every knee of the world his blood breaks the chains and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb every knee will bow before him recognize the words to this song or this psalm because it was playing in a song before the service which is why I chose that song it's a beautiful song based on this psalm so I'm joined with the praises of all God's people in Psalm 130 it says out of the depths I cry to you Lord Lord hear my voice let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning more than watchmen wait for the morning Israel put your hope in the Lord for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption he himself will redeem Israel from all their sins amen and he has done it Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. And my story isn't over, my story's just begun. And failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. I said failure won't define me. Cause that's what my father does Ooh, lay your burdens down Ooh, here in the father's house check your shame at the door cause it ain't welcome anymore Ooh, you're in the father's house
the journeys where you are. You never wanted perfect, you just wanted my heart. And the story isn't over if the story isn't good. And failure's never final when the Father's in the room. Failure's never final when the Father's in the room. shame at the door cause it ain't welcome anymore ooh you're in the Father's house you guys are going to have to really feel this in the words cause you don't have Bo to build it out for you so we're just going to have to be intentional <laughs> and prodigals come home Helpless find hope Love is on the move When the Father's in the room and Prison doors fling wide The dead come to life Love is on the move When the Father's in the room and Miracles take place The cynical find faith Love is breaking through Father's in the room, Jericho walls are quaking, strongholds now are shaking, love is breaking through when the Father's in the room, love is breaking through when the Father's in the room, ooh, lay your burdens down, ooh. Check your shame at the door, cause it ain't welcome anymore. Ooh, you're in the Father's house. Ooh, lay your burdens down. Ooh, here in the Father's house. Check your shame at the door. Cause it ain't welcome anymore Ooh, you're in the Father's house Amen Amen This is another one that's just really familiar So just let these words really speak to you this morning They're so good
Our hearts long for to be over. 
There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. Your I living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen a sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free. Shame is undone in your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory. to say that as we're singing these words if you haven't tasted and seen the sweetest of loves where your heart becomes free and your shame is undone like for real sing these words just cry out to God his word promises that if you seek him you will find him if we invite him not just in this building, but in us, in our hearts. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in me. He will come. So if you haven't tasted and seen, or if you haven't in a long time, ask him this morning. Sing these words from your heart. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what my heart longs for to be over. 
presence like this presence that's that we're experiencing right now a little bit longer and Kevin really assists that sometimes most of the time and I appreciate it I just want to invite you to continue to remain in a posture of worship of openness just continue to dwell in the presence of our God who is here, who I am certain he wants to meet us. He wants us to experience his love and his mercy and his grace. And on a Sunday morning, it's so easy to just rush through the motions, through the order of service and just check off the boxes. And I just appreciate how our team has intentionally made us aware of the fact that that's not what we're doing here. So God, we open ourselves up to you. We continue to remain just aware of your presence that is in this place. And God, sometimes we recognize that your presence, it, it feels almost tangible. We we react, we respond, we, we respond with emotions. God, we are aware that sometimes it just catches us off guard and we are overcome, we are overwhelmed. And God, we are, we are thankful when that happens. We appreciate when your presence just meets us so powerfully. But God, we also acknowledge that even if we aren't feeling those things, and that doesn't change the reality that you are present in this place with us today, and that you long to meet us, you long to fill us, you long to move in a new way in our midst. So, God, as we just sit in this moment and soak up your goodness a little bit longer, God, we just remember those in our midst, those who are not here. God, we just remember those who are having a hard time. We lift those up that are, that are struggling today. God, we remember them and we stand with them. God, this morning we remember Wade. And Lord, we just thank you that you are with him. God, we just pray that he would receive answers as to what's going on in his body. 
God, we just pray that, that there would be wisdom there, discernment. God, we pray that you would strengthen his, his spirit, help him, Lord, to rest in your goodness and in your strength when his might fail him. God, would you just encourage him and be with Sarah this morning? Help them to know that they are loved. God, we remember Gina today. We just pray, God, that you would continue to be with her and strengthen her as she recovers. God, it's, it's overwhelming sometimes to just hear her share about the slow process of being able to use both feet again. It's painfully slow. And I can only imagine, God, how much worse it is for the person that's actually dealing with it. God, we, we remember her. God, we know that she wants to be here with her church family. We know that she is here in spirit, God, with us watching online. But Lord, we just remember her this morning and we lift her up to you. God, I pray that you would strengthen her, continue to strengthen her. Your, your strength has been so evident in her life. God, she has done nothing but speak of your goodness and of your mercy and your strength through this time. And that blesses me, Lord. It blesses me because even though I know it must be impossibly difficult to be completely bound while you slowly wait for your body to heal and to recover, God, it's just been a beautiful blessing to hear her share of your continued goodness and strength, even in the midst of such a slow, frustrating process. God, I call out to you this morning on behalf of my sister, and I just pray that you would continue to strengthen her. God, strengthen her physically, yes. I pray that with each day comes more physical strength, that she can slowly start to put that weight back on her feet again. God, I know that she is, is ready to be able to move and to, to get slowly back to normal. But God, I also pray that you would just continue to, to strengthen her spiritually and mentally. God, I pray that, that during this time that, that she would just be able to sense a perfect peace. And that she would just be so aware of how even in the midst of such a difficult and overwhelming time that your presence can be so real and so strengthening. And God, may, may through, through this time, may she truly learn a new dependence upon her Father. That even when our bodies and everything fails, God, it, it, it is such an opportunity to realize just how dependent we are upon you when everything else goes wrong. God, would you just help her to know that she is loved this morning? Would you be with her and Ralph and their family, God, just continue to strengthen them? God, we pray for those who are still mourning losses. We pray for the hearts here who are grieving. God, we ask you to draw near, be a comforting presence and strength for those whose hearts are hurting. 
Lord, for those who are just dealing with um, familial strain, just different issues going on in our families and our relationships, God, you see them and you know them, and I just pray that you would just be present. Give strength where it's needed. Give wisdom where it's needed, God. God, we just thank you again for your sweet presence that's in this place. Thank you, God, that when we show up hungry for you, when we show up ready to receive, that you never let us down. You're always ready and willing to pour into our hearts. God, as we open up your word in a moment, I pray that you would just continue to just move in our in our hearts and in this place. God, would you help us to receive direction from your word? Would you give us ears to hear this morning? Give us the eyes to see what, what it is that you want to, to say to us. God, all as we seek to draw nearer to you through different disciplines and practices, God, would you just help us to see how these things were intended to be? And would you just help us to be disciplined as we try to as we try to um, introduce these things into our spiritual lives, God, would you just show up in a very real and powerful way? God, you are faithful. You are good. And we love you this morning. We love you and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Well, this morning we are going to continue in our series called Deserted Disciplines. Um, I shared with you a f the past few weeks that throughout this series we are just um, kind of bringing to mind some disciplines, spiritual practices that are not always, but often maybe neglected and, and maybe not by all, but by certainly some at one time or another. And so uh, this morning, we are going to look at the spiritual discipline of Sabbath. And as I was preparing for the, the, the talk on spiritual, the spiritual discipline of Sabbath, I have to tell you that it felt particularly weighty for me. They all do in, in one way or another, but this one just felt different. It felt particularly weighty because as I was just remembering the gift of Sabbath and what God intended Sabbath to be for his people, I was just a little bit overwhelmed at how we, I think, easily neglect what Sabbath is meant to be for us. And so my hope is that, I, that this will kind of reintroduce to you what a healthy Sabbath ought to look like for God's people, what it has looked like in the past, and, and, and hopefully it will just help it to come alive, and, and we would reintroduce this beautiful, sacred rhythm back into our lives. I think as we go throughout the sermon this morning, and as you remember, recall, or for some of you even learn what Sabbath is meant to be for God's people, and I think if you compare that to what it often is for many of us, I think you will also see how weighty this is, and it will feel as weighty for you as it does for me. At least that's the hope. 
I, I read a lot of good stuff this week on the Sabbath. I could have said so much more and read so much more. This is uh, a topic that could have its own series. And so forgive me in advance for sharing just a lot of different thoughts with you from different people this week, but they are all so good, and I couldn't pass them up. Uh, one pastor and author, Rich Velotis, he, he wrote a book on, on spiritual disciplines and rhythms, and it's just a really beautiful book. And he talks about Sabbath in his book, and it's, he says this about the Sabbath, and it's so true. He hits the nail on the head. He said, Sabbath is the commandment we often boast about breaking in our pride to express how tirelessly we work. Oof, right? That one... That is profound. Just that alone, we could just sit in that for a moment, for several moments, and, and just feel the weightiness of that. That is that so true that we do unintentionally, maybe, kind of brag about how much we abandon this command of God, this way of living, all to boast about how hard we work and how great we are at accomplishing things. That's heavy, right? Do you already sense the weightiness, the heaviness of, of the spiritual discipline of Sabbath? A, a simple definition for Sabbath, because it likely means something different to everyone. And, and so a, a basic definition that we could start with and kind of build upon is that it's, it's setting aside one full day a week, one full day, we'll continue to underline that, one full day a week for rest and worship in God. At its simplest, in its most basic form, that's what Sabbath means. To set aside an intentional time every single week, a full day for nothing else but resting in God, worshiping God, and just soaking up his goodness and presence. What I think it's likely been reduced down to for many Christians, uh, I think there's a secular idea of Sabbath, right, where, where people kind of use that term but mean something very different. But we're talking specifically for Christians because this is what Sabbath is meant to look like for God's people. I think for Christians, a lot of times, Sabbath is reduced down to just going to church. Right? I went to church. Maybe if you have a Nazarene nap and you went to church on a Sunday, you checked the box of Sabbath. These are good things. I'm not knocking you. Don't feel attacked right now. Okay, these are good things. Going to worship on Sunday morning, coming to, to this place is good. Being with God's community and God's people is good. Going home and taking a nap this afternoon is, is holy and sacred, and you should do it, okay? If you can, you should absolutely do it. But I think a lot of times we simply reduce Sabbath down to just doing these things, right? And if we've done these things, then, I, then we think that we've experienced and, and, and participated in this gift of Sabbath. But to say the very least, I think that there are so many barriers we face in today's society that keep us from experiencing a true, meaningful Sabbath the way God intended. So many barriers. Adele Alberg Calhoun, you're familiar with her at this point. I quote her frequently throughout this series. She also hits the nail on the head and she, she says, Sadly, everything about us works against slowing down. Do you agree with that? Just in general, as a society, as a culture, we're only speaking for ourselves here in, in America. That's our, 
understanding, that's what we know and understand, everything about us works against slowing down. Our compulsion to produce and not waste time invades the space God gave for us to rest. Children's athletics, national sporting events, round-the-clock accessibility to work and to email and stores all fill up the Sabbath day, and we never stop. When you become indignant over how seemingly incompatible, really listen to this, she says, when you become indignant over how seemingly incompatible Sabbath is with the tiring and relentless demands already facing you, red flag, consider what your tiredness means. In other words, when, when I read that, I pictured an adult tantrum, right? Like, I am tired and I am overworked. I am underrested and I'm frustrated that I don't have more time to rest. Hmm. Right? I just imagine an adult tantrum happening because we acknowledge that we don't get enough rest. We acknowledge how overworked and tired we are, and yet these two things only compete with each other more and more. And so we just end up stuck in this mess. And I'm certainly not an expert. You know this. Don't claim to be an expert in any of these things. But I have to imagine that our uh, being overworked and underrested, that it must contribute to the fact that as a society, we are the most overwhelmed we've ever been. We're the most stressed out we've ever been. Our mental health collectively as a society is in the worst it's ever been, in the worst shape it's ever been. And while, hear me, I know there are so many factors. It's not just the Sabbath neglecting, but there are so many factors. But I have to assume and I have to know that a lack of Sabbath in the way God intended surely contributes in some way to how, out of, how unhealthy we are as a society, okay? I think it's really uh, important that we acknowledge how tragic it is for us to neglect this spiritual practice. And so in just a moment, we're going to read from Exodus chapter 20. And as we do, uh, after that, we're going to just kind of look at what a true Sabbath was intended to look like for God's people. What a what how the Jewish tradition embraced this not only practice but command of God, which we're going to read right now. So I'm going to invite you if you are able to stand this morning as we read from Exodus 20. This will likely sound familiar to you. It's situated in the mid, in the middle of the 10 commandments that 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 God is giving to God's people. We're just reading the one this morning. From Exodus 20, starting with verse 8. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Are you thankful this morning? Thanks be to God. You may be seated. 
I, um, I think it's good for us to acknowledge, and I, I notice a theme here, that every week, pretty much so far, I think every week, I have been brought back to um, the very beginning of Scripture and how we see a healthy ideal for humanity in Genesis, right? And so each week, it's like we're brought back to where we see that first unfolding in Scripture. And so I say that because I want us to acknowledge that while this is in Exodus, the second book of the Bible, you know, we actually see a precedent for resting and for Sabbath even before we get to this point in Exodus, right? We see it on the second page of Scripture in Genesis chapter 2, when God, who didn't necessarily require rest, right? He didn't necessarily need it. It wasn't required of him, and yet he showed us what a healthy rhythm looks like. I love that God demonstrated for God's people, even though God does not need to do this for himself, he demonstrated to us what healthy rhythms ought to look like in our lives. And so he led the way. He modeled this healthy rhythm of Sabbath, of resting, of taking a moment, a day to rest from work. In the Hebrew scriptures, we see two different words for Sabbath. One is the word Shabbat, which is where we get the English word for Sabbath, and it simply means to stop working. Uh, kind of, you could almost imagine, like for us in modern times, we think about clocking out because the work is done for the day, and it's done until I come back whenever, tomorrow, the next day, whatever, but I'm, I'm, I'm clocking out. I'm, I'm stopping the work. The other Hebrew word that we see for Sabbath, and I'll probably butcher it, but you probably won't know the difference, so it's okay, but it's nuach, and it means to dwell or to settle, okay? It's very important that we um, respect these two different words for Sabbath because one means to just stop working, and the other one complements it, and it means to do something very intentional while you're not working, to rest to, or to dwell, to settle in. It has in mind a meaningful time of rest, a sacred time of rest and meaningful fellowship with God and other people. And so when we read this command here in Exodus 20, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that there has been precedent before this moment, but I also think it's important for us to acknowledge what this meant for the Israelites. We talked about this not long ago in the Gospel of Luke as we went throughout that, that whole gospel, but I want to say it again because I think it's so important. If we're going to understand Sabbath properly, we need to understand what this meant for the Israelites right, to the original audience whom, who is receiving these words, these commandments from God. Remember, before God frees them from Egypt, before God delivers his people from oppression and slavery in Egypt, they would have no way of understanding what it meant to rest. They did not know what rest meant. They were not given the luxury or the opportunity to stop working. They literally worked to death. They were worked to death. They, they only stopped when they could not go on. Their bodies could not physically carry on, and so they would die as they are working tirelessly with no rest. That is until God, of course, delivers them, right? And so this is a gift. <laughs> For a people 
who had no permission to rest, certainly no room to stop and to rest, this is now a beautiful gift for God's people. And it's going to remind them, pausing from their work one day a week is going to remind them of God's strength and provision. He's going to remind his people, remember, I'm the one who rescued you. I'm the one who delivered you. Who delivered you. I'm the one who provided for you in the desert when you had no means for yourselves. I provided for you, and this is going to be a way, a gift for you to remember my strength and my provision for my people. This is a reminder for God's people. This is important. It's a reminder for God's people that there is only so much they can do, right? They are limited. They, they learned and knew this. They knew from experience how limited they were. And so this gift of Sabbath is a reminder. And it's a reminder again and again and again that God's people serve a God who doesn't run out of resources, who never runs out of resources, and who never fails to provide abundantly for his people. This command is important because it confronts the temptation to worship things like productivity, prosperity, and a self-made protection. I think this command being situated in the Ten Commandments where it is, is very intentional. It was on purpose. It's a reminder for God's people that you will constantly be tempted to worship these things. You will forever be tempted to worship your own productivity and provision. But this is going to be a reminder of who actually provides for you because you are so very finite and limited. This, this is the command of a loving and just God who wants to keep us from working ourselves and others to death, which often comes as the result from this fear and this anxiety that's built within us that we just won't have enough, right? Don't you feel that, that you just have to go a little bit longer? You just have to work a little bit harder. You just have to do a little bit more. And then you will always have everything you need. Your family, they'll have everything you need. Me killing myself to provide for my family is good because I'm protecting them. I'm providing for them. I'm making sure that they will always have everything they need. A person like that is, is likely going to be a little less dependent upon God. Would you agree? That's why this is such a healthy commandment and reminder. And so what now, like what I want you to do is to imagine for a moment. I, I was so fascinated to learn this week what a Sabbath looked like for a typical Jewish person. There's probably so much more that I didn't read or that I don't know about when it comes to the Sabbath, but I want to just take you back and I want you to imagine this scenario with me because it's just so beautiful. For, for God's people, for the Jewish people, the Sabbath day, this goes without saying, but we'll say it anyways, would look distinctly different from every other day of the week, okay? They were intentional in how this day was to be very different from any other day of the week. You might know that it began at sundown. They would practice the Sabbath or enter into the Sabbath at sundown. It would go sundown to sundown. They were entering into a full 24 hours of Sabbath, of meaningful rest and fellowship. All the to-dos, okay, they're endless, right? We understand this. I don't think it was much different 
in this time that, that all the to-dos, there was always a list of to-dos, there were always honey-do lists, there were always a list of demands, those never stop and they never, they never end, all of that was to be put aside, okay? It would still be there. You can't say, well, I'll rest when I'm done with my list because that list is never ending. So that list was pushed to the side and for a full 24 hours, there was nothing but resting. All, all responsibilities pushed to the side. They would go around the house and they would, of course, it's sundown, so they would light their lamps and everyone would gather and settle in. The family would come together and just settle, settle in together. They would light candles as a representation of God's presence. There were special Sabbath prayers that were prayed so that they were very intentional about what this time was to be for them. There were blessings that they would share with one another. Families would come together and they would share these special blessings with each other. There was food that was prepared ahead of time because that's a lot of work. And so food was prepared and they would come together and they would delight in the company of one another around the candlelights and they would settle in and they would prepare to eat and fellowship together around the table. And all of this was meant to represent the delight and the refreshment that comes being in the presence of God being in the presence of God and in the presence of one another. But here's something I really think is interesting, okay? This is kind of like a picture of what the Sabbath looked like as a whole, but it's very intentional and interesting to me that the Sabbath would begin at sundown because more than likely there wasn't too much time that went by before it was time to go to bed. And so isn't it interesting that this 24-hour period of resting begins by doing the most restful thing you can do, but also the most unproductive thing you can do, going to sleep. I just find that so interesting that that's how this began. You, you literally began your 24-hour day of rest by doing the most restful, unproductive thing you could possibly do, which is to go to sleep. Adele Alberg Calhoun, she says, when bedtime came, the family rested in God's covenant protection. This is my favorite part, though. She said, they woke up on a Sabbath morning to a world they didn't make and a friendship with God they didn't earn. That's beautiful to me. That's just overwhelming and beautiful that we consider sleep to be the most unproductive thing we could do, even though that's really not true because our bodies need that, require that. It's actually very productive for our bodies to rest and to sleep. But in our minds, it's so unproductive. That's why we're so, uh, we, a lot of us miss out on so much sleep because there's just not enough time to get a full night's rest, right? And now you're intentionally doing the most restful, unproductive thing you can do, which reminds you that you're going to wake up tomorrow to a God who not only sustains the whole world while you slept, who kept the whole world going, but you just wake up in his presence doing nothing to earn it. You have done nothing to earn it, and yet it's there. It's this gift. Isn't there something about that that is so appealing? Don't you find this almost like we kind of, I romanticized over this this week, just this beautiful picture of, of a 24-hour period 
with no distractions, no demands, no to-dos, just resting in the presence of God and my loved ones. It's so beautiful, and I, I long for it because it's something that is rarely has a place in my life. My Sabbath has kind of drifted from this original idea. And so maybe we wonder, like that sounds really appealing and attractive, and so we wonder, what happened? Why doesn't this, why doesn't the Sabbath look like this anymore? And there are a lot of things we could go into, but I think it's important to acknowledge that in the Gospels, we see so many times that Jesus confronts that the Sabbath is no longer, uh, no longer looks like the way God intended it to, right? Jesus is confronting this reality that you have turned Sabbath, religious leaders, you've turned Sabbath into another legalistic tradition. There's so many rules to keep up with. There's this long list of here's what you can't do on the Sabbath, here's what you should be doing. It's, it's so much work to keep up with all the ways that you shouldn't be working on the Sabbath. Isn't that ironic? And Jesus is acknowledging that. He's, he's addressing that the Sabbath was a gift from God to God's people, and it's now being used, being used excuse me, as another way of punishing God's people for what they are or what they're not doing. We see him correcting this in places like Mark chapter 2 when he reminds people, reminds the religious leaders, Sabbath was made for man. You were not meant to be a slave to the Sabbath. The Sabbath, the Sabbath was a gift for you. And therefore, he says, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus longs for people to be freed of this burden that Sabbath has become. He longs for this vision of true rest and fellowship, and, and he's encouraging people. He's encouraging people, do whatever you need to do to ensure that you are resting in God the way you were intended to do on this day. Jesus has the authority to determine the use of the Sabbath, and, and we see that he flips it upside down, right? He disturbs the norms of what it had become. And friends, I would just, like, we can acknowledge that in the Gospels, that's kind of what happened, and we acknowledge that maybe that's not exactly why we don't experience a true Sabbath today. Maybe that's not what keeps us from participating in a true Sabbath today. But I would still say that a true Sabbath, as intended by God, has been lost on us. I don't know if you would agree with that or not. I'm actually really curious on, on your thoughts on this. Like, what does this look like for you as an individual, as for your family? Would you agree that a true Sabbath, intended as intended by God, has been lost or neglected or abandoned by us. Perhaps because, like I said earlier, we are obsessed with prosperity, productivity, right? We abandon anything that gets in the way of us being more productive and more prosperous. And if that's true, I wonder if we should acknowledge that perhaps we have become the very thing that God originally set to free his people from, slaves. Maybe we've become slaves to productivity. We've become slaves to prosperity, slaves to this idea of gaining more at the expense of our health, at the expense of our mental health, at the expense of the well-being of our family. 
We are slaves to consumerism and the idea that more is better, more makes you happy, more keeps you secure. We are slaves to these things, and the most devastating thing is that we are suffering spiritually. Hear me, we're suffering spiritually. Rich Velotis, he says, As long as we remain enslaved to a culture of speed and superficiality and distraction, we will not be the people God longs for us to be. In other words, this is a problem. Red flag waving in the air, this is a problem. This is a problem and we're suffering in so many ways, but certainly, especially spiritually. It's as simple and as heavy as that. He goes on, he goes on to use this illustration, Rich Velotis does. He uses this illustration, a peculiar illustration, of one being locked in a supermarket and yet starving to death. Can you imagine? What do you do to make that happen? You're locked in a supermarket and you starve to death. Just imagine the absurdity of that. That makes no sense. How does that even happen? He says, you might say this is impossible, yet in our spiritual lives, this happens every single day. Whether we know it or not, we are locked inside the supermarket of God's abundant life and love. It's all available to us. Even so, people are spiritually starving. I think that is so true, and I think that we ought to pay attention to this reality. But he gives hope. He says it doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to be suffering in so many ways, but especially spiritually. So hang with me. I know that was a lot. It feels like a lot. But let's kind of move into a, a, a practical moment, okay? Uh, imagine that I've, I've made the argument. Uh, say that I've made the argument that, that we, don't, we don't fully appreciate what Sabbath was meant to be, the way God intended it. Maybe many of us can confess. And my friends, conviction, okay? I was convicted this week. Uh, I was reminded that I, I, I tend to do Sabbath like a box to check but there are so many things I neglect when it comes to the Sabbath. And so maybe I've won you over, I've made my case, made my argument, and so we wonder, okay, how can we get back to what God originally intended? And this is where we get practical for a moment. I'm getting the remote so you know it's getting really practical now, okay? So here are some practices. Here's what you can do. Tangibly, you can do these things in order to start leaning into this beautiful rhythm of Sabbath the way God intended. Set aside time. you got to start with just the basics. Set aside time for Sabbath, for intimacy with God and the others you love. You just have to be intentional. Make it happen. Set the time for it. Decide when it's going to happen and plan to do it. Plan to rest in God one full day per week. Practice restful activities. In other words, don't do things that are going to wear you out during your time of rest. Find things that are going to to renew you, things that are going to fill you, things that are not going to drain you. Letting go of all the things that stress you out for 24 hours. This might be the most difficult thing. Letting go, pushing that to-do list, the demand list to the side, and just letting it go. This also means, by the way, there is no, I'll rest when I'm done. 
I'll rest when my list is complete. I'll rest when all my work is finished because it's just not going to happen. You have to push it aside and let it sit for another day, including this. Let the difficult conversations that you have to have that drain you, that overwhelm you, that stress you out, let them happen another day. Here's a little practical thing. Don't develop a to-do list for your Sabbath. This is something I'm guilty of. Like Fridays are my kind of when I'm entering into my Sabbath, and I'll, I'll just do that on Friday when I'm at home, Sabbathing. I'll do the laundry on Friday because that makes perfect sense, right? Don't develop a to-do list for your Sabbath. That's not allowed. And really taking a full 24 hours. I think for many of us, again, we'll reduce Sabbath down to going to church and taking a nap but really lean into a full 24-hour period of rest and meaningful fellowship. And this is the part where we ask, why is this important? Why does this matter? What's the God-given fruit that we realize that we receive when we practice Sabbath-keeping? And one is pretty obvious, but still should be said that we're keeping company with Jesus. Right? This is a, a beautiful moment in our week that we should anticipate and look forward to. It's a special, sacred time with Jesus that doesn't look like the rest of the week does. doesn't mean we're not with him the rest of the week or that he's not present, but this is a special, beautiful, meaningful time with him that looks different. We will receive just this overwhelming freedom. I hope this is attractive to you, this freedom from an addiction to busyness, rush, and hurry. Don't you want to be freed from that? Doesn't that sound really appealing to just be freed from this addiction? A fruit that, that, that we can see and acknowledge is acknowledging our human limits, our limits and living within them. I think this is so simple and yet so powerful that in doing these things, we are acknowledging I am human, there's a limit to what I can do, and I'm aware of that, and so I'm pausing. That's powerful. In doing this, you're going to be honoring the way God created you to live by living a healthy and intentionally rested life. This is what God intended, friends, and you're going to be doing what God intended. And so you're going to see the fruit and the blessing when you, when you practice Sabbath-keeping. It's living a weekly rhythm of rest followed by six days of work, not the other way around. You're going to be delighting in God and in your family, and you're going to take time to appreciate the simple things like the seasons and, and meals and just the good gifts of creation that God gave to God's people. This is a time for us to really appreciate and be thankful for these things. Maybe most important of all, we're going to be ultimately trusting God for all that we're not doing and all that we aren't taking care of. We're trusting in God. That's the hardest, I'll say, but probably the most meaningful because that's what God intended to do. And then finally, just some really practical things you can do starting this week. This is how you can flex this spiritual muscle, these exercises that you can plan to do this week to start leaning into a healthy vision of Sabbath-keeping. 
Start by planning a 24-hour Sabbath that you enter into with anticipation. And can I just tell you from experience, so this week was a really, like it worked out really well that I was able to really carve out a 24-hour period for myself this week for Sabbath. And, And to tell you that I entered with anticipation, I really truly did. Like truly. I'm always excited for my day off. I'm always ready for Friday. But this was different. I was excited and hopeful and anticipating how God was going to meet me in this, in this time in a new and powerful way. So I can just speak that that's not just, you know, words on a screen, that that truly did happen for me. Consider the things that will nourish you, right? It's important to, to think about what's going to nourish you, what's going to give you life. Will you listen uh, to worship music? Will you plan to take a nap? Will you go on a walk? Will you read? Will you play with your kids? Will you enjoy afternoon tea? Whatever it is, plan those things into your day. Not overwhelmingly, okay? This isn't meant to be overwhelming, but just think about the things that are going to give you life. I think this is really important (laughs) because... Raise your hand, you don't have to, but how many of us have been affected by what I used to call the most stressful hour of the week, heading to church on a Sunday morning with my family? Truly, there was a time when our kids were really little and when Bo and I were leaving at the same time for church, and I would always be mystified, sitting in the car, just in tears, like, how is going to church this stressful? Why Why are we experiencing so much stress? We're going to church. This doesn't seem right. I feel like we're missing something. This is not the way God intended it. And so I love how this has in mind. It's acknowledging that a lot of times doing the most restful thing for your family, heading to church for Sabbath or as a part of your Sabbath, is oftentimes the most stressful part of your week. And so with that in mind, for those who, who, to whom this applies, gather your family together and talk about what a healthy Sabbath means for each of you, right? Be intentional about this. If it's just you and your spouse, fine, get together. If it's just you and you're planning this time out with friends or loved ones, your kids, whatever, gather them together and discuss what's going to be refreshing and renewing to all of you, for all of you. Share what makes Sundays difficult. Like, let's just acknowledge it. I wish I would have really practiced this a long time ago. Share what makes Sundays so difficult for you. If getting to church is a hurried time that brings distress to the family, talk together about how we can do things differently so that it's not that way, okay? That doesn't apply to maybe a lot of us here, but for some it can be helpful. What can be done the night before to make it easier in the morning? For some of you, that's planning your Sunday school lessons a little earlier in the week so you're not so stressed about it, okay? And intentionally begin the night before. This is so key, I think. Begin the night before. Don't just wake up and say, okay, it's my Sabbath day, but intentionally think about that day starting the night before. Light some candles. Invite the presence of God to guide you through your Sabbath. Eat with your friends and your family. Go to bed early and go to bed intentionally. Pray for Christ to give you a deep, refreshing sleep and just enter into a rest, a meaningful rest in his arms as you sleep. Enter into sleep as a spiritual act of worship and watch how this changes your Sabbath, truly. 
And if it does, I want to hear about it. I want you to share these things with me if you do something different and you feel like, wow, that really did make the Sabbath more meaningful for me. Please share with the group so that we can all learn. And I, finally, I'll just say that, <clears throat> friends, this doesn't just happen. Like many things in our lives, we have to be intentional. And yes, Sabbath is a gift from God, but it comes with, like many other things, with ritual and routine. You have to be intentional. It is truly something you have to practice until then it becomes a regular rhythm. It's a regular rhythm of your life, and one day you're going to think, how did I ever live without it? Scholar Terence Freedom says, Sabbath keeping maintains, this is kind of a full circle moment, Sabbath keeping maintains the working, resting rhythm that God built into the very created order of things. So I'm going to invite the praise team to come as we just process and reflect on these things. And as they come, uh, maybe Kevin, when you get here, you can play for us because as they come, I want us to reflect on some words that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. Now, I think this is really interesting. I promise I'm not, hang with me. This is going somewhere, okay? In Matthew chapter 11, before Jesus, or after Jesus says these things, there's going to be some drama that unfolds surrounding the Sabbath. Jesus is going to do some things on the Sabbath. It's going to upset some people on the Sabbath, right? And that's going to happen in, uh, after this. But before that, and seemingly completely unrelated to what Jesus is going to do on the Sabbath, he says something that might seem unintentional and unrelated, but I believe after just thinking about it this week, I thought that's intentional. He did that on purpose. He says this in Matthew chapter 11, before all the drama unfolds. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, I truly believe that if Jesus were here in the flesh today, and if he were to look each one of you directly in the eyes, if he were to peer into the deepest, most overworked and exhausted corners of your heart, I truly think he would look at us and say, receive these words because you need them. And I think he would implore us to listen and to receive this invitation. And so I don't normally do this, but I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I just want you to picture your Savior, your Savior Jesus. I want you to just picture him looking into your soul, seeing how tired you are, how overworked and overwhelmed and underrested you are. And I want you to receive these words from your Savior this morning. He lovingly looks at you. He pulls you in, he draws you in close, and he says to you, come to me, my dear child. I know you are weary and you are burdened, and I long to give you rest. 
please take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm not oppressive. I'm not overbearing or overworking. But I am gentle and humble in heart. And when you come to me, you will find true rest for your soul. My yoke is easy, my dear child, my beloved, and my burden is light. Receive that this morning. Respond to your loving Savior this morning. Friends, receive rest for your souls in this moment. Amen. You can stand as we're going to sing. Sabbath rest is also an act of worship because we're acknowledging, like Pastor Nicole said, our weakness, our lack, that it's God who provides, that he's the creator. And that act of rest is an acknowledgement of our position and his position. That he's the provider. It's taking a moment to fix your eyes on him. And that's what we're going to do. That's what this song is about, looking to God. It's very repetitive, but just let it draw you in and think about these words, what we're saying as we worship God, as we find rest in his presence. That even if just for this moment, I encourage you to keep thinking about this throughout the week. Let God speak to you what a regular rhythm of Sabbath rest looks like for you. But if nothing else, just for this moment, these four or five minutes of this song, just rest. Just breathe deeply. Think about God. For many of us, we also work because we think that our worth comes from our productivity, the things that we get done, our jobs, the money that we make. It might be just because that's what we've always done. That's what we do. That's who we are. But that's not who we are. Who we are is who God sees when he looks at us, his children that he loves, that he provides for. So let's acknowledge just in this moment who we really are, that we actually have the privilege to rest because productivity and the things that we get done are great and they bring glory to God, but that's not our worth. Our worth is defined by our Father. Let's just gaze on him right now.
just what to do, yeah. Hallelujah. Again. And hallelujah. 
that bridge one more time. I hope you receive today that Sabbath is not a command we are bound to. It's a gift that we are invited to enjoy. I hope that going forward this week, um, there's still time if, if Sunday is the typical Sabbath day for most Christians. And so there's still time for you to lean into the rest of this day the way God intended you to do. It might mean changing some plans or some things that you had in mind. Um, I also just want to encourage us to each week when we enter into this space, it can be really easy to just check the boxes, right? And just show up, get the four songs, five point sermon, you know, fifth response, whatever it is. Like it's easy for us to go through the motions. I just feel prompted to remind all of us that this is part of resting in God. And that if we show up with, with expectations of what it should look like and what we expect it to look like, we're demanding something from this time that we weren't intended to, to receive, if that makes sense. I just think God is reminding us that to not ever limit him as we gather here, to just show up and be open to the way that God wants to speak to us. And if that takes less time than it normally does, then great. And if that takes more time than what you expect it to, then I just want to challenge you to just let God speak to that, whatever that is in your heart, and, and let him just speak to you about that, okay? All right. Well, I'm going to share a few announcements with you before we leave today. Um, don't forget to be keeping up with your baby bottles. We are going to be receiving those or collecting those back uh, sometime in the month of February, I believe. So just be on the lookout for that. Um, next week, I just want to make you aware that we are going to have a guest speaker next week. We're actually going to have a missionary come and share with us. His name is Carlos Gordon, and he's going to be in the States for um, like a two-week period. And so I wanted to snatch him up and have him come here and share with us because I think this is something that I want to do more often is have uh, missionary speakers come and share with us. And so I hope that you will get excited to hear from him next week. I do want to let you know that as is typical with these things, we are going to receive an offering for Carlos and for his ministry. And so I just don't want you to be caught off guard by that. Just be thinking about that and expecting that uh, next week that, that you'll be invited to, to give to support his ministry. But most importantly, um, that's just some helpful 
something helpful for you to remember. But most importantly, come open and ready to hear uh, from Carlos what God is doing in his life, in his part of the world, okay? So that's going to be next Sunday. And then finally, um, we are going to be, we're planning a, what we're calling a girls' night here at the church on February 21st. That's at 6 p.m. That's a Tuesday night. Um, we are inviting you ladies to sign up to bring things like salads, soups, and desserts, and you can sign up for that in the foyer. Um, it's at this event that we are going to hope to kick off a monthly uh, ladies gathering. Um, just don't have any expectations in mind, okay? Just come ready to receive and, and ready to, to commit to um, a, a time of monthly fellowship, meaningful fellowship with ladies. And we're going to explain to you how that's going to look um, that Tuesday, February 21st. So go ahead and put that on your calendars, ladies. All right, I'm going to invite you all to stand this morning as I share a benediction with you. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you go in the grace and peace of our Lord. I pray that you would go and rest in him today and this week. Make this intentional and open yourself to receive the ways that God wants to refresh and reignite your soul. Friends, go and live into this rhythm that God always expected you to live into. You are loved You are dismissed. Have a beautiful day.